Happy Saturday. Today, I'm excited to welcome you to episode 18 of Saturday Conversations. Today's episode, I pray, will be filled with wisdom and understanding in Jesus' mighty name. Today, I have to bring on a guest that I've known for about seven years. And I love how God is using her to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. So please help me welcome to the conversation, Rachel Cantrell. Rachel, what's up? Hey, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good, thank you. So before we get into the topic, can you just please introduce yourself to people who do not know you? All right. I'm Rachel Cantrell. Um, I was born in Amarillo, raised in Albuquerque. Um, I moved to Canyon, Texas when I was in high school, and I just kind of stayed here, went to college. And then after college, um, I started teaching, been teaching first grade for the last five years. So um, that's about it. I have a dog named Remy. I love to read and I love plants <laughs> and I love decorating. So it's kind of what I do in my free time. So. so what is your challenges from teaching first grade for so long? Oh man, that kind of day by day for real, because <laughs> you never know what you're going to get. But I think really just truly like learning your kids and what, what they need from you. And, you know, all of them come from a different background that come from a different home life. And so Sometimes they just need to be loved. And so they come in there and they present, you know, behaviors that are difficult to handle, but really and truly they just need someone to love on them. That is so good. And what are some joys that come from teaching first grade for so long? Joys are seeing the growth in the kids. That's probably the biggest thing. It's amazing to see because in first grade, they make the biggest jump in reading, especially that they do ever in school. And so just seeing them work through that is incredible. And also just how they grow and like um, with each other, like being able to have social skills and like getting to know them and stuff is really fun. So Awesome. I'm just so excited that we get to have this conversation. I know you're a busy individual, so I'm glad our schedules were able to align. So let's just get into the topic. You see the title. You see the thumbnail. You already know what we're talking about. We're talking about loving your neighbor. What I realized, Rachel, is that everyone has their own definition of love. Love is not an emotion, though, because emotions changes. But love, the love that Jesus commands us to do does not change. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. Love is not proud. Love does not dishonor others. Love is not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered. Love does not keep records or wrong. We need that right now. Love does not keep records or wrong, especially with the whole 2020 election. Love does not keep records or wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but, but rejoice with the truth. Love always protects, always trusts, always hope. Love always perseveres. Love never fails. So if you don't love someone, because how they voted, let me submit to you. Maybe you didn't really love them. If you don't love someone anymore because you don't like what they're posting on their social media, maybe you didn't really love them. If you don't love someone because they support Black Lives Matter or Blue Lives Matter or All Lives Matter, may I submit to you, maybe it wasn't real love. Rachel, I know you didn't know it's going to be this hot this quick, but <laughs> I just got to be real. Amen, hot, yeah. <laughs> we live in a culture that everyone wants to counsel everybody. But true love will never counsel anybody. Can you imagine if Jesus wanted to counsel us every time we step out of his will? <laughs> it would be a sad day on the earth. But thank God for his grace. Matthew 22, verse 39 says, and the second is like this. Love your neighbor as your 
self. And if you look at the Greek, because there's five different versions of love, but the Greek, Jesus was talking about agape love, the love that knows no bounds, the love that will meet you where you're at. That's the love he's talking about. So I think people need to realize that, you know, yeah, they did vote for someone that you didn't agree with. Oh, yes, they did it. So, you know, if you want to get the vaccination or not, that's not our job is to love them where they're at. So I'll go through this conversation is to present practical steps on how to love your neighbor the way Jesus wants us to love our neighbors, not the way culture teaches us, not the way the crowd teaches us, not the way our emotions wants us to love our neighbors. Our job through this conversation is to give you practical steps to love your neighbor the way Jesus wants us to love our neighbor. So Rachel, my first question to you is, what are some ways you demonstrate love to your neighbors? I think demonstrating love can be done in multiple ways. Um, I think for me, it really kind of boils down to my love language. Um, I feel like mine is words of affirmation and quality time. So I feel like that's my my go-to for showing love to other people. Like if you need encouragement, I'm there. If you need me to just sit there and listen, I'm there. And so I just want people to know like they can rely on me and that's a big deal. And so that quality time, I feel like kind of ties into just showing up. People need you and like people need you to reach out. And especially like, as you mentioned, just the craziness in the world and the pandemic and everything, people felt so isolated and alone. And so people really did need to see that love in others by reaching out. And so I think it can be done in multiple ways, praying for them. Um, you know, scripture says God so loved the world that he gave. And so that is giving of your time, of your talents, of your money, whatever it is that you are able to do to show people that you love them. And however you feel led, I feel like is a great way to do it. That is so good because sometimes we want to make our love conditional. Mm -hmm. I'm only going to love this person if they show up for me. Yeah. But love, we, we love first. Mm -hmm. And then if, they, if we get it, cool. We don't get it. We did our part by loving. Yeah. So my question to you, my follow-up question is, who is our neighbor? Because the disciples asked Jesus the same question. So Jesus, who's our neighbor? So I'm asking you, Rachel, great rabbi, who, <laughs> <laughs> who is our neighbor? Everyone. It doesn't matter, like, who it is. Like, the people that you said voted differently than you. The people that, you know... Um, truly live next door to you. Yeah, those neighbors, but also those neighbors that are in a totally different community than you, those that were raised differently than you, just literally everyone, like God died or Jesus died on that cross for every single one of us. And so that love is meant for each and every one of us. So even your, even your best friend who cheated on, with, cheated with your boyfriend? I mean, he, yeah, it might be hard, but get, yeah. They, <laughs> do they still get love? Yeah. Sure did. <laughs> or, you know, if someone cut you off in the road or someone, you know, did you dirty, should they still get love? They should. Yeah. Really? I mean, because if you think about it, if you were to air out my wrongs, like if, you know, anything like that and compare them, I'm not any better. I'm not any worse. You know what I mean? Like I still stumble. I still fall just as the person right next to me. So if I feel like I just like, I don't deserve that love, but Jesus gives his grace and his mercy and his love, you know, to me, then they absolutely deserve it as well. The reason why I ask you this question, because Jesus said a weird thing in Matthew chapter five, verse 44. This is what he said. He said, but I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. 
Sometimes cultures are like, you know, someone use you, discard them, cancel them. But Jesus says, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. And this is what Jesus said. This is the reason why we do this, that you may be sons of your father in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the evil and the good and sins rain on the just and on the unjust. But let me tell you right now, that's hard. (laughs) It's so hard. And a lot of times, like your flesh will absolutely get in the way, like wholeheartedly. You'll be like, no, like you made me mad today. I'm not good. But, you know, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. Yeah, because what I see is sometimes, and I'm fortunate to grow up with a father in the household. I know you grew up in a father in the household, but there's so many people that they hold animosity towards their father who wasn't there. Yeah. But the scripture says we're supposed to pray for our fathers who wasn't there. We're supposed to pray for the girlfriend who cheated on you. You're supposed to pray for the boss who doesn't see your value. You're supposed to pay, pray for the pastor who made us, may of spiritually abuse you. It's our job to pray because the Bible says vengeance is mine, says the Lord. But what I realized, we try to take vengeance to our own hands oh, yeah. and then we just mess it up. We just drop the ball and then we end up sitting ourselves and then we just end up, we end up frustrated and confused and say, so how do we even get here? Because we didn't let God do what he does best, which is handle justice. Yeah, he like it was flat out. You said pray for those, love those. Like that's the where we obey and we're like, okay, I'm going to take my hands off of this. But a lot of times we're like, nah, I, I think my way might work better. Like, because I can see it happen right now. But. So my, my question, my follow-up question to you is, how does someone take their hands off the vengeance? Because like you said, it might be right there. I can just be petty to them this one moment and ask for forgiveness tomorrow. Like, you know, you know, I can just stab them in the back. Oh, they put me down as a recommendation. I can just talk bad about them so they don't get the job. How do we take our hands off the binges part and let God handle what he is bound to handle? I think that boils down to prayer, like truly just laying it out and saying, you know, like, this is how my heart feels. I'm hurt about this. This is you know, the situation that happened as he already knows, but when you're vulnerable and you're open and just say like, God, take control. Like I'm going to lay this down at your feet and you're going to take care of it. Give me peace, um, begin healing within me so that I don't even think about that vengeance part. It's not weighing on my heart and my mind, but that it's in, in your hands. That is so good. Anything you want to add before we go to the next question? I don't think so. Let's go. My next question to you is, how do you prevent yourself from only loving a certain type of person? I believe this question is so important for the day and age we live in now. If you're not liberal, I ain't rocking with you. If you're not conservative, I ain't rocking with you. If you got vaccinated, I ain't rocking with you. If you didn't get vaccinated, I ain't rocking with you. It is so crazy how we determine who gets our love. So my question to you, Rachel, is how do we prevent ourselves from only loving a certain type of person i think it kind of goes back like we talked about before like jesus went to that cross for each and every one of us and so just really being mindful of that and truly making a conscious effort like even though we might not agree we have different opinions it's all right like jesus knew that going to the cross he knew um my background would be totally different from the person next to me but doesn't mean that I should, I'm better, they're better, anything like that. Um, really just be open-minded. You know, the people that have different opinions, you can learn from them. It's okay. <laughs> like truly, it's all right to listen and 
just still, even if you don't agree, it's okay. Like you can find something to connect with them. Even, you know, typically your friend group is made up of those connections, those common interests, that sort of thing. But one little connection I have with somebody else that's different can still start that friendship, that relationship with them. And let me be open-minded to other people, you know, really and truly. I know. And I was in a situation like this with, um, some people before where it was like, we were kind of in our own little clique, you know, we went everywhere together, but, um, I heard later on this, um, us for no more. is kind of like the mindset of it. Like, Oh, we're good right here. We're in this bubble. We don't need any more friends, you know, whatever. And that's just, not healthy. That's not good, you know, because we do have love to give and we need to be that example. So if I'm just surrounding myself with the same people day in and day out, how am I being productive in that? So just being open-minded, allowing yourself to go different places to be around different people and different with different views and all of that. So that is so good. Cause even if you see in the, the body of Christ, cause there's so many denominations and they have all this thing like, if you don't believe what I believe, I can't love you. If you believe in praying in tongues and, and I don't pray in tongues, I can't rock with you. It's so crazy how all these things has happened. But the Bible says that we need to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. He said they would know that Jesus said they would know that you follow me by the love you give to others. Mm-hmm. Not by the arguments, not yeah. by the theological debates, not about how you Jesus this text or not Jesus the text. It's about how you love each other. So it's just crazy how, as you're talking about like four no more, but the Bible says before Jesus went to heaven, he said, go out to the world. He didn't say, stay in your clique, make denominations. He didn't say, make, make, you know, nice motives, motives to say on, you know, Pinterest. He said, go out to the world and make disciples out of nations. But it's hard to make disciples if we're just staying in our clique. Absolutely. Yeah. You have to be open-minded to that. And, you know, the Bible says, you know, as, as a body of Christ, you know, weep when others weep, rejoice when others rejoice. But if I'm, I'm not going out and even knowing those people, knowing who they are, how am I able to do that? How do I make those connections? So it's definitely a conscious effort. Like go out, like you just said, go out into the world. And I, well, the problem is I see with people who are believers of Jesus is they want to correct before they connect. Mm-hmm. And what I've heard a pastor say, he's like, before you correct, make sure you connect. Because it's hard to correct someone when you don't have a relationship with them. So everybody always just wants to make this whole assumption like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to teach them the words of the of the Bible and I'm going to judge them and condemn them, like connect with them. And it's not our job to condemn. The Bible says it's not our job to convict. The Bible said that the Holy Spirit's job is to convict the word of sin, not our job. (laughs) So it's so crazy how we can get so self-righteous and holier than thou. That, you know, and my whole thing is when you have self-righteousness in your heart, love has exited your heart and not pride. Has oh, yeah. yeah, they can't, they can't coexist. Yeah. That won't work. <laughs> yeah. So it's just crazy how if you look at Jesus, Jesus had 12 disciples, all different backgrounds. He had a couple that were fishermen. He had a couple that were tax collectors. He had one that was a tax collector. He even brought the person who's going to betray him in. Like Jesus did not no, know everything. Well. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus didn't know everything. He knew this guy was going to betray him. But what's so crazy about it, even though Jesus knew Judas, his carrier, was going to betray him, guess what happened? But right before he died, uh, right before he went to the cross, Jesus decided to wash the feet of Judas. My question to everyone, my question to you, Rachel, 
how many of us can wash the feet of the person we know is going to betray us? Oh my goodness. That's like, that's where you have to swallow your pride hard. <laughs> like that would not be an easy task at all because you're like, this person hurt me worse than any person ever. And I'm supposed to be like, serve them. Like, how does that make sense? But that's the example that Jesus set for us. Like even this extent, I love him and I'm going to serve him even though no matter what. And yeah, you just have to realize that when you're demonstrating love to people, you indirectly demonstrating your love for Jesus. Mm-hmm. But yeah. people don't people don't see it that way. So it's just it's hard to tell people that we love them when our actions doesn't follow what we're telling them. Yes, that is hard. Like imagine being in a relationship, right? And mm-hmm. say like your significant other is like, I love you, I love you, I love you, but he's like out there cheating on you, out there doing all this dirty, dirty. And then come out of nowhere, it's like, but I love you. Ah, no, 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 it don't work that way. <laughs> that, doesn't mean, that doesn't mean much. Yeah. There, if there's no if there's no action behind the love, mm-hmm. there is no validity to the love. Right. There's oh, no yeah. weight to the love. Like mm-hmm. you said before, Jesus, God loved the world that he what he gave. He did something. He gave his only son. Yeah. Jesus loved us so much. What what he do? He took our cross. Like he he who knew no sin became sin, became sin. so we become the righteousness of God. That is as crazy to me. It is like it's so hard. Like I'm, sometimes I'm like, what? Like you really did that? Like that's just crazy. It's mind blowing. But it's like he loves me that much. It's- and since we have access to this love, I think it's our responsibility to demonstrate. We should just be a conduit. We should be a channel of God's love. But yes. sometimes we don't realize the love that we have available to us. And then we don't put out that love that's yeah. available to us. Yeah, if you don't tap into it, you can't pour from it because you don't know the extent of it. You're exactly right. That is so good. So anything you want to add before we go to the next question? Um, I think that's really it. Be open-minded. Go out into the world. It's all right. Meet people that are different. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So that's so good. So my next question to you is, this is a question that will be very helpful also. What are some signs that you have to love a person from afar? The reason why I ask you this question is because there's a lot of people that are in toxic relationships, mm-hmm. toxic um, friendships, and they believe in their mind that love is all about proximity. But what I realized studying is you can love someone from afar. So what are some signs that you've seen or even that you have experienced that you had to love a certain person from afar? Um, I think you... Right there, you said toxic. Somebody that just like kind of drains you. There, if you are pouring in and pouring in, and it is literally taking the life out of you, and you're not being filled up, you're not like it's not being reciprocated. That is just unhealthy. Um, I think if someone's negative, that affects me personally because I'm that person who's like, oh, I see things in a positive light. But if I'm having that conversation, and so I was like, well, no, this, this then that affects my thinking too. And that's just not healthy. Um, If a person that's in your life, if they cause you to stumble, if they are pulling you away from Christ, as opposed to helping you get closer to him, then I think you need to love that person from afar. Because, um, you know, scripture says as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Um, You surround yourself by who you want to be like essentially you know the your friend group should be encouraging uplifting guiding like your accountability and if you're not getting that um then that person needs to be from afar um scripture also says bad company corrupts good character 
So if you are surrounding yourself with company that isn't holding you, like holding you to a certain standard, you're going to fall right, right there with them. So what do you say to the person that I've known this person my whole life? They're my best friend. She's going to be my maid of honor in my wedding, or he's going to be my best man in my wedding. What do you say to people like that who, who know someone their whole life and now they have a, a struggle to, to love someone from afar? That is difficult. Um, I've been in a situation similar to that and it just kind of, it really took me off guard the way it all happened. And that was something that took a lot of prayer. It was like, I don't understand what is happening right now. I, you know, I don't, I don't get it. But at this point in time, Jesus, I'm going to lay it at your feet. Like I've done what I can do. You know, I've reached out to this person, you know, but then this big blow up, blow up happens, you know, and it just kind of drags you down. So that's something that you really have to lay at the feet and say, you know, I don't understand this, but help me to love them from afar. Like this person has been important and next to me, you know, but it just, it was maybe just for a season, you know? So my next question to you is, my follow-up question is, so we talk about the best friend. We talk about people that we didn't really know. What if it's your family members that are being toxic? Yeah. How do you handle that? Like, if you were in that position, how would you advise someone to handle that? So, like, yeah. say a toxic mom, toxic sister, toxic dad, how would you advise them to love them from afar? Oh, that's hard. Um, that's really tough because, you know, I'm super close to my family. So just thinking about that kind of makes me sad. But I think that... Um, Really and truly, the way that I would handle it would probably be like approaching that person and say, hey, I love you so much. Like you've done all, all these things for me. You know, I, I don't want you to not be in my life, but this relationship, the way the state it's in right now, you know, it's causing me stress. It's causing whatever it may be like this. It's toxic at this state that we're in right now. So I'm going to separate myself. I'm going to be praying over it. And I hope that we can, you know, fix it, but I love you and I'll be here, but I'm going to separate, give us some space, you know, to kind of work through it and just let Jesus come in and heal and hopefully mend it back. And, you know, if that's his will to help that relationship get back on track. So that is so good. So how, how do you, how would you advise someone? Cause with toss relationship, there's always that guilt and shame. Like, I did this all for you. I've been there for this time. When you were de dealing with Bobby, I was there for you. When you're dealing with Ricky, I was there for you. How are you going to tell me we can't be friends anymore? How do you deal with the guilt and shame that the toxic friend or the toxic family member can bring to you? Like, how do you deal with that? That I am huge. I'm a huge journaler. So I, you know, a lot of people talk, like they'll sit down and be like, hey, I need to talk. I'm going to vent to you. I don't do that necessarily. I get out my journal and I write it all out. So like I will write my prayers, I'll write my thoughts, whatever I'm struggling with. And so that would probably be the way that I would deal with it. Like, this is how I'm feeling. Um, help me overcome it. Like, and put scripture to that. Like what truth do I have to make me overcome that guilt, overcome that, that feeling like you don't give me a spirit, you know, of shame and guilt you give me a spirit a strong spirit you know i stand steadfast in your love so i just kind of counteract it and i have it right here to reflect on so anytime i am feeling that guilt that shame i can go back to where i've written out that scripture and just repeat it you know over myself and say you know no i'm not gonna hold on to this that is so good so my, my follow-up question is <laughs> could you love someone and still block them from your social media accounts. 
I mean, I would say yes, because I think that ties into loving them from afar. Because if the things that are happening on social media are causing strife in your life, are causing you stress, um, whatever it may be, if it's toxic to your life, this person, you know, having access to what's going on in your life, then I think that it's okay to remove them and love them from afar. I can still pray for them. I can still love them, but just not necessarily surround myself or let that be an option for them to cause stress to my life. That's, I agree with you hundred percent. I believe that you can love someone and block them. You can love them and only see them once a year. I, I believe, I believe in that because the yeah. thing is if we keep giving and giving and giving now we we're pouring from an empty cup. Mm-hmm. So I, I believe hundred percent. And the Bible says that love always protects. I'm blocking you to protect you from my anger. All yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> that vengeance we talked about. <laughs> you know, I'm just I'm just trying to protect you from the pettiness that might come your way. So you know what? I'm just I'm loving you from afar. Yeah. So that's so good. So we talk about um, toxic relationships. So my next question to you is. How do you deal with the frustration of your love not being reciprocated? This one's tough for me. And I feel like, um, especially because I'm that person, I'm a people pleaser, like hard. And I will admit that, like, I want people to like me. I want to be there for people. You know, I want them to be able to call on me and rely on me and all, but like, to be real. And I've had like this reality check, you know, if Jesus, who is absolutely perfect, was disliked how in the world am I going to be liked by everyone that's just not going to happen it's just not so I know that if I'm putting forth my effort and I'm showing you love and I'm giving that and it's not being reciprocated I can firmly say like that's not on me (laughs) like really and truly and I'm going to lay that down at the feet of Jesus and just say I might not understand this but um it's just a lot of prayer talking through it you know um I think that also a lot of times, especially looking back, those, um, it was God's way of protecting me. You know what I mean? Um, being able to kind of remove myself from that friendship, from that relationship, whatever it may be. When I was giving my all and it wasn't reciprocated. And then, you know, it could have blown up, whatever the case may be. Looking back, it was like, wow, like the way that ended and, or whatever, it was a protection for me. It protected me from even more hurt than it caused initially. Um, But, and I think just in that as well, um, it can be extremely frustrating and it can be, um, I want to say like you think less of yourself because you're like, I don't understand. I'm giving this. Why am I not enough? Why am I not good enough? Um, But that goes back. Like I said, I'm a journaler and I do scripture, you know, so I speak God's truth over me. Um, Like he will take great delight in you you know, I've loved you with an everlasting love. So even if this person over here doesn't reciprocate it, Jesus will, like, no matter what. That's so good. So how does a person heal from not getting their love reciprocated? As you stated, it can be hurtful. You start questioning yourself. You start questioning your worth and your value. So how does a person heal from not not getting their love reciprocated? I think the healing comes... um, from really first and foremost, like evaluating yourself, like where did that hurt come from? And where did those thoughts come from of the being, oh, I'm not good enough, you know, all of that. And really taking the time to spend with yourself and Jesus, (laughs) like no one else is going to heal you. No one else is going to feel that, fill that void, fill that hurt, 
um, really and truly it comes from Jesus. So when you are sitting there in his presence, you know, let him know I am hurt. Like I need you to intervene. I need you to show me your love. Um, and I think that that's the best way that I've found healing is just really just sitting in his presence and being okay with being alone. It's okay. <laughs> you know, even if it's, you know, alone relationally, like not with a significant other, um, alone, not saying no to friends, you know, like, no, I'm not going to go out tonight. Um, you know, I'm going to just stay inside. And I had to learn that, you know, it's all right to be okay to take that time for yourself and really and truly work on yourself and your spirit. You, you said something so good because people just try to distract themselves. Mm -hmm. And this, that's when you see people going from relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship and they never healed. Or they will start substituting the healing power of God with like drugs, alcohol, sex, social media posts. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's crazy how like we try to put band-aids on something that needs stitches. Yes. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So we just need to figure out how like to, the Bible says, give your burdens to the Lord for he cares for you. But we were always trying to figure out like, he can take care of my bills. He can take care of this, but my love life, he can't take care of it. I'm going to figure it out myself. I'm just going to go to every love guru. I'm going to talk to my best friend. Even though your best friend has been in three relationships in the past six months, no judgment, yeah. the same fact. So, <laughs> so you know, not get you very far. <laughs> so it's crazy how we try to try everything before we go into Jesus who knows everything. Yeah. So, I just love your answer. You're saying like, we have to give it to Jesus first. And then sometimes after you give it to Jesus, the Lord might put on your heart, like you might have to go to therapy. You, oh, might, go, you might have to heal through this. Cause mm -hmm. sometimes what I've seen is now hurt people are hurting people in relationships. Yeah. So now they hurt people, they get married, they have babies and they hurt them by not knowing their emotions. Yeah. And, you know, but I have to say now, if hurt people hurt people, I must believe that healed people will heal people. Restore oh, people God. will restore people. Yeah. Free people were free people. If hurt people can hurt people, there's always going to be an opposite end of the spectrum. That if if I'm if God has made me whole, then whole people will make other people whole. Yes. So I love that. That was good. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna get shirts made, you know. <laughs> I like on, it. Yeah. We're gonna put on your Etsy account. You know, I don't know if you have okay. an Etsy, but let's let's make it happen. I mean, yeah, I'm down. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, anything you want to add to how to, how to deal with frustration? when your love is not being reciprocated? Um, I think that was it, but I like how you added there. Like, it's okay. I feel like some, so much in society says, you know, like counseling, that's like, don't even mention that, you know, but God made counselors as well. You know, he gave, he gave that talent to certain people. So if, if you need that, if you need an outlet for someone to speak to a thousand percent, I say, do it. So don't feel like shame or, guilt to do that because i think that's you know a definitely a good tool to use as well for sure my my whole thing is first give it to jesus that mm -hmm. first and foremost always give it to jesus yeah. then you might have to give it to, you have to go to a counsel a counselor because even all through the bible the kings they had what they had wise counsel yes. we, we try to act like that counseling is from the from the devil if you go to counseling <laughs> you don't have enough faith you need to claim it. You need naming and claim it. No, 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 no. Like you said, God created counselors for a reason. As long as the counselor does not replace Jesus in your life, then it's okay. But what I've seen is that sometimes before they even reach out to Jesus, I need to reach out to my therapist. Mm -hmm. And that's when the order gets messed up. 
first right. reach out to Jesus. And then when Jesus, like, okay, I'll give you your peace. Now here, here you go, go see a, a therapist, go call your best friend, go talk to your mom or your dad. You know what I mean? Yes. But don't let people replace Jesus in your life. Because let's be honest, Rachel and I tell you right now that Jesus is irreplaceable. <laughs> no one can even compete. So don't nope. try. <laughs> nope. Don't try. Often duplicate, often um, replicate. No. What is it? Often imitated, but never duplicated. There you That's go. I was like, where are you going? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so my next question to you is, what are some ways that you show love to yourself? Because like I said before, you cannot pour out of an empty cup. So if you're not showing love to yourself, how do we expect to demonstrate love to others? Yes. Um, I feel like this, um, and in the world, you know, everyone screams like self-care, self-care, like go get your nails done, go put a face mask on. That's all well and good, you know, but I think loving yourself first needs to come from like spiritually. So loving yourself spiritually, loving your mind, loving your physical body, all of those things I feel like play a huge factor because if I don't love myself and I don't practice that love to myself, then I can't give that to anybody else. Um, so I like to do things like do things that bring me joy. You know, like I said before, I love to read. I love to decorate. I love to just create things. And so that's a space where I'm allowed to just be me and use the talents that God has given me to just enjoy, um, spend time with Jesus. Um, that is something that makes me happy because he, he is the one that brings me peace. He brings me hope, you know, and, um, that's important to me. If I don't have that, then I feel like something's missing really. And truly like once you spend time with Jesus, it's like you crave it. You want more. And like that alone time is something that I definitely make a priority. Um, I'm obviously not perfect at it, you know, especially during the school year, it gets crazy busy, but I try very hard to make my schedule where I have this time set aside each and every day to spend with Jesus. Cause I need that, um, for my health, my happiness. Um, like I said, love my body. You know, I don't necessarily need to be in the gym seven days a week, but do things that make me, me feel good. You know, I, I am conscious of that, like of exercises, exercising and eating things that are healthy, but, um, it's not something that I put above my relationship with Christ or, you know, put above other things that make me happy. Um, and truly remove things that bring stress from my life. I'm working on that. Um, just a little bit at a time, you know, if this is not, not worth my time, or if this brings me more stress than joy, I, I'm not loving myself by giving it time and giving it, um, power over me essentially. So really working on removing those things as well. That is so good. I want to enter something because you said something that allowed me to have this thought. So how do you prevent making yourself God? Because sometimes it's always extreme that people don't love themselves at all and they don't think there's, they, they look at themselves as worthless. And the mm -hmm. other extreme is like they love themselves so much that they start to put themselves over Jesus. Yeah. So how do you find that happy medium that, yes, I, I am not worthless, but I ain't Jesus at the same time. So how do you find that happy medium? I think just truly and every time like I get into the word, I like start with prayer, like, well, help me remember like this is this is reverent, like your word is holy. And this is the fact that I have this and I'm able to read this is an ultimate like gift, truly. So then when I do um, spend that time and I'm like, OK, I am worthy, I you know, I messed up today, but his grace is good enough or his grace is sufficient for me. You know what I mean? It covers me. Um, really just 
pride, I think, plays a factor into that too. You know, don't get too prideful where you're like, oh, I got this, you know, I'm, I'm out here, I'm healthy, I'm doing all this stuff. And so I don't need him anymore. It was just, just a fix, you know, I got what I needed and now, now I got this. So um, even, you know, the good times, the hard times, all that, Jesus still needs to be priority. And then you obey after that. So the order, like you said, doesn't get mixed up. That's so good because there's a lot of people that they just look at Jesus not as their savior, but as their fixer. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm, I'm heartbroken. Fix me. And as soon as Jesus does his work, okay, I'll see you later. Yeah. See you next time around. <laughs> it is crazy. Like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm in this bind. I need, I need to pay my rent. Here you go. All right. See you in two months. I don't have money again. So <laughs> we need yeah. to get out of the whole space. Like, Jesus is our fixer. He's mm-hmm. our Lord and Savior. Yes. And like, I have this whole saying like, all right, this, this thought process that if Jesus does nothing else for me, he's done too much. Mm-hmm. Because when you look at the crucifixion of Jesus, how brutal it was. And then you look back and like, man, he didn't really have to do that. <laughs> like he, he was still, he was still the son of heaven. He did not do any of that, but he still decided like, you know what? You know, everyone's going to mess up. So I'm going to take this cross. Rachel's going to mess up. I'm going to take this cross. So yeah. it's, it's just so crazy to me how like Jesus did this not on a guarantee, on a maybe, and he really didn't gain anything from it. He gained us being with him in eternity. So I just love how Jesus, like, he sees us so worthy enough that he dies for us to, so we can be with him for eternity. Yes. So, so is that any, that's, that's the only way you show your love to yourself? Any other ways? Um, I think that was kind of covered it. <laughs> what? I don't know anything else. Like I said, I'm really the one that I'm focusing on right now is just um, making sure that things that are in my life, things that I surround myself with are positive and uplifting and not draining me, not causing me stress, you know, because like you said, if I'm empty, if I'm given everything, you know, I can't give love to anybody else, let alone myself. Um, So just really starting there, I feel like is, is my biggest focus right now. There's one author, his, I think his name is Ben Stewart. He wrote Single, Engaged, and Married, Marriage, I think. And then he said, he said a line that says, love embrace is love extended. And the reason why people can't love themselves or love others is because they don't embrace the love of God. Yes. So how are some ways that we can embrace the love of God? I think that, um, like you said before, like when you sit back and you think like, oh, Jesus went to the cross for me, like that is truly amazing to wrap your mind around. But when you sit back and you read the things that Jesus has done, you know what I mean? The miracles that he's performed, that all of that stemmed from love, you know? So if he can do that for, you know, the tax collector, the adulterer, whatever it may be, like he he loves me and I can accept that grace because he freely gave it to me, you know? And I think that's so many times we're like, Oh, we get in our mind. Like I'm not worthy. I did this today. I did this today. But as you said, very first thing, love keeps no records of wrongs. And that goes for yourself too. Like not just for somebody else, for me, like I don't need to be sitting here making a list. Oh, I messed up today. Um, because grace washes over that. So really just like accepting the love of Jesus will, change your life more than anything in the world. And so if people can just like grasp hold of that, it will drastically change their life. 
That is so good. So my next question to you is, it's kind of, we're going to continue this conversation we're having. How should a person navigate the lies of the enemy saying that they're unlovable? Because, you know, some people won't receive love because they truly believe that they're not deserving of love because of a past um, relationship they're in, or they had an abortion in the past, or they live an alternative lifestyle. So how do we navigate the lies of the enemy saying that they're unlovable? This one is big to me because like I said, I'm a journaler. And so I write down that scripture, I circle it in my Bible, but also, um, and I've learned this recently through a Bible study. Um, you actually have to like speak it out loud, speak God's truth out loud because the enemy doesn't know your thoughts the way that God knows your thoughts. So if you're just saying in your mind, like, oh, I'm worthy, I'm loved. Jesus says this. It's not going to be powerful over the enemy. When I speak it out loud and I say, the Bible says, you know, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am the apple of his eye. He chose me before the creation of the earth. You know what I mean? To be holy and blameless. When I speak that out loud, the enemy hears it too. And he's like, oh, she's serious. <laughs> you know, so that as opposed to me just like trying to say it in my head, I need to speak it out loud because then I feel like it has more power in Jesus name, you know. Um, also, I think a friend said one time, like, if you were the only person in the world, the only person, Jesus still would have gone to the cross for you, just for you. And so that is something that took me back, like, whoa, like, he loves me that much? Like, not just us as a whole, you know, the body of Christ. No, but Rachel, me, even with all my faults, all my mistakes, all the times where I'm like, man, I shouldn't have done that. Now, you know, I do feel like, I'm not enough, or I don't deserve love because I made this mistake, whatever it may be, you know, just really and truly sitting back and embracing that grace, embrace that love of Jesus and speak his truth over you. You are loved. You are the head, not the tail. You are above, not beneath. You are chosen. You are worthy. You are all of these things that you need to proclaim over yourself in Jesus name. And the enemy has to flee from that. He can't have any power over you when you speak god's word over you because that reigns supreme over everything come on pastor rachel <laughs> come on pastor rachel bring in the word okay yeah. pastor rachel all right that's that's what i like to hear you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> because if you look at the the armor of god which paul talks about in ephesians chapter six he talks about the helmet of salvation the breastplate of righteousness the shield of faith the the sword of the belt of truth, oh, truth. Uh -huh. and then the shoes of peace, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then he's all like, this, that, those are five defensive weapons. But our only offensive weapon is like the sword of the spirit, which is what? The word of God. We're too busy trying to play defense mm -hmm. that we don't reach for our sword that is so available to us. If you don't have the, the, the hard book copy, get the app. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> it, the app is free. There, there is no excuses now. Like you can, like you said, they can just read it to you. push, push that little play button, and it's gonna say in the beginning. You know that dark book? <laughs> in the beginning, yeah. God created heaven. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we just need to realize that the devil is more afraid of us than we should be afraid of him. Oh yeah. But until we realize our identity in Christ, we would never know how much love God has for us. Absolutely. So is like if you look at the book of Ephesians, Paul talks about how like we should have been dead, we should have been cursed, we should have been all these other things. Then he he hits he hits a point, but God, but God in His infinite mercy, 
And I don't know who needs to hear this, but I'm here to tell you right now, your whole life is a bug guide. Your mistake should have ended your life. Your mistakes should have disqualified you. Your dysfunction should have gotten you away from where you're at right now. But God, in his infinite mercy, showed you his love. So since he showed you his love is now our obligation and our opportunity, in fact, to demonstrate the love of Jesus to our neighbors who we may like, who may, we may not like. People who might get on your nerves, people that we can kick it with it for three days in a row. It doesn't matter who it is. It is our opportunity and our honor to demonstrate the love of Jesus to our neighbor. Yes. So do you want to say anything else, Pastor Rachel? That that's, that's that's your name now, Pastor Rachel. I like it. I can get used to that. Um, I think really just like you said, no matter what lies the enemy tries to throw at you, you have the truth and it is so readily available to you. So use it. Even if you're not like if it's your very first time, listen to it and just play it on repeat. Like God loves me, you know, I am fearfully and wonderfully made just on repeat until you believe it for yourself and accept that and embrace it. And then the enemy will be defeated because he doesn't stand a chance. So, And also, if you don't know where to start, go to Google, put Bible verses for encouragement, push yep. enter. And you're going to see a whole bunch of verses. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Like this is a time that is so because some people say the Internet can be used for for evil. I think the internet is like money, whoever is in the hands of the user. However, mm-hmm. the user uses it is how it determines how it's going to get used. So yeah. the internet can be used to look at some websites that should not be looked like look at. And the internet sh- could also be used to see encouraging Bible verses. Yes, absolutely. That's good. So my last question to you is why is it so important to demonstrate the love of Jesus to our neighbors? It is so important to do that because you truly may be the only Jesus that somebody sees like somebody could that has never known Jesus and they encounter you they have a relationship with you whatever it may be um if you don't love them the way Jesus loves them you're essentially like turning their soul away from eternity with Jesus you know you could be the one not saying that I have the power to save anyone but my me demonstrating love and you know by my lifestyle, my actions, my words to them, my time with them could lead them to make that decision of salvation and save their soul. And so if that is so important, (laughs) like that is such a responsibility that I hold highly, you know, I want people to look at me and see Jesus, not Rachel, see Jesus in me, the light of him in me and that his love is being shown through me. Um, you know, in the Bible, it says it's the highest commandment, love your neighbors as yourself. And, you know, as I have loved you, you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know you're my disciples. So it's not only me for the sake of someone else's soul, it's me and my relationship with Christ. Am I obeying him? Um, so it's twofold in that. I think, um, if I, if I love him and I accept his love, then it's my responsibility to spread it. That is so good because as you said, it's it's not our job to save them, Mm -hmm. but it is our job to set the table for him. It is our job to plant the seed. It's our job to water the seed, but only God can make it grow. Mm -hmm. But if you're just mean, you know what I realized, like noticing is like, there's a lot of mean Christians. There's a lot of bitter Christians. Oh yeah. And a lot of them that are judgmental or think they're better than you, like you said before. (laughs) So what are you going to do about it? Yeah. So it's so crazy how we are supposed to talk about Jesus, but there is no joy. Yeah. (laughs) Because the Bible says in the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy. Mm -hmm. 
So if you don't have joy, I just, I have to ask you, have you been in the presence of the Lord? <laughs> you might have missed something. I don't know. <laughs> I that's good. Go ahead. The, the, I was just going to say, that's good the way you said that too. And like, um, you know, I've heard people say, you know, I was just so wronged by church, you know, people in church, they um, upset me, they hurt me, whatever the case may be. And then that leads them to turn their life away from Christ. And that hurts me, you know, as being a follower of Christ, which not to say I've never done anything to offend or hurt anybody, but um, just like, no, you're like, everyone's a human, a person. We have faults. We have our, you know, things that we struggle with. But if I am doing my very best and being consistent in love, then that should bring people in, into like, into the presence of Christ, like you said. Um, And so I the fact that the church is being blamed as a whole and people are deterred away from that. Um, it just it makes me sad. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, people just didn't realize that that church leader hurts you. Mm-hmm. Jesus didn't hurt you. And that's exactly. what people don't, people don't understand that because they look at leaders like they're the representation of Jesus. So if he hurt me, they no, 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 no. That person got blinded by whatever he got blinded from, from. Mm-hmm. and like even, even Lucifer, was in the presence of God, and he still had the audacity to rebel against God. If Lucifer, who saw God and Jesus face to face, did that, human are fickle. (laughs) Humans are fallible. I don't know. (laughs) So so please, if you have turned away from your faith because a church leader did you wrong, a church leader didn't see your value, that church leader did not do that on behalf of Jesus. He did that, or she did that on behalf of themselves. So please turn okay. back to Jesus because he never turned away from you. Yes. So uh, any last advice for people who's walking this world and they want to cut someone out or they want to be paid to someone, what is your last advice to people on how to love their neighbor? Love your neighbor by extending grace extending you know um kindness to them that the world in and of itself is lacking kindness (laughs) i feel like and so if you can be kind to somebody and you could essentially change their whole day you know you could turn their week around and be like oh okay there's some good in this world um just be that light even though it might feel so good your flesh is tempted might feel good to be like no i can get you back i can do this you know just lay it down at the feet of the cross and he will take care of it you know you get your peace and he will take care of the rest that is so good i know that was your last advice but i have another question for you (laughs) (laughs) um how would you suggest a person i don't know if you know a person you've been through this yourself how do you suggest a person to heal from church hurt because when you said it it popped up to me like there's a lot of people that went through church hurt and now you go if you go on any social media outlet if it's instagram tiktok anything's like my deconstruction video you know what i mean Uh and usually you see it is like because this person hurt me in the church this person did that in the church so how do you suggest so how would you recommend people healing from church hurt Oh, that is tough because then like, you don't feel like the church is a safe place for you to go anymore um, because you are hurt by that. And I've said it, I don't know how many times prayer, laying it at the feet of Jesus first, go to him and say, you know, this is how I'm feeling. I'm being vulnerable. I'm laying this burden down at your feet because I know your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. And that's what I want 
for myself. Like I'm going to lay this down. Um, my sister and I did go through some church hurt and it took a really long time for us to get back into church because, you know, we were scarred, you know, we had given so much time, so much effort, like done everything we could to build up this church and be a part of this church and, you know, grow up for the kingdom. And then it was kind of, we were stabbed in the back sort of. And then that was like, wow, you know, after all this time loving after all this time giving, you know, those things that we're saying, you know, you do that for people. It hurt and it took a while, you know, but that took, that time was a lot where I spent alone with Jesus, where even though, you know, the church hurt me, I would still listen to the, I would listen to the word, you know, I could listen to other sermons, you know, YouTube, you know, the internet, like you said, is full of it. So still filling myself with the word and knowing that, like you said, it wasn't Jesus that hurt me. Like, I'm still going to chase after Jesus. I'm still going to love Jesus. And I'm going to figure out my way to heal this by laying it down at his feet and letting him take care of it. And then I'm going to trust him. I'm going to pray over it and have him lead me to the next church that I need to be a part of. And so that is, that is so good. Thank you for sharing. Rachel, this has been fun. Thank you so much for sharing practical steps on how to love your neighbor the way Jesus wants us to love our neighbors. So before we end episode 18 of Saturday Conversations, we want to get to know you a little bit better, Rachel, through a game called This or That. So whenever you're ready, let me know. Ready when you are. All right, so I'm gonna give you two options. You choose one and then I'll share my guesses with you at the end. If I get more than three, it means I know you pretty well. If I don't get more than three, it means we need to hang out a little bit more. So. Um, if you out of these two prophets in the Bible, who would you pick, Isaiah or Jeremiah? Ooh, let's do Jeremiah. Okay. So for breakfast, would you rather eat pancakes or waffles? Waffles. Okay. Um, if someone wants to give you a gift, like say a significant other wants to give you a gift, would you rather have flowers or chocolate? Ooh, I would pick both normally. Uh, flowers. <laughs> Okay, so uh, if you want to travel, the restrictions are is up is lifted. Where would you want to go to, Spain or Italy? Italy. Okay, so um, if you have to eat this fast food for the rest of your life, there's no health concerns. You you're healthy, um, and if you keep eating it, you don't get high cholesterol or anything like that. Which one would you pick, McDonald's or Wendy's? Wendy's. Okay, I don't know you at all. I got one out of five. Um, <laughs> Well, this is this is unfortunate. You're um, slacking. You're slacking. I, 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 you know, I think the whole the distant thing has distorted our friendship or something. I don't know. I know. Uh, I thought you would eat pancakes. I was wrong. I thought you would pick Isaiah. I was wrong again. I thought you picked chocolate because I know you like food. I was wrong. Like, <laughs> that, you saw how hard that decision was. <laughs> but I'm loving plants right now. Like I am loving them. So flowers. Maybe if this was racial like two to three years ago, I probably got four out of five. But this is a whole new year. New me in August. Whatever. <laughs> so all, all I have to do is when I'm, when I'm back in your neck of the woods, I just have to hang out with you more and get to know you a little bit better. Yes, for sure. I've known you for seven years. Well, with that being said, <laughs> since 2014, with that being said, 
Um, no, well, you're not a good friend, Edward. <laughs> well, it is what it is, you know. <laughs> the Bible says grace, grace, you know, you grace, go. grace. <laughs> so before we end, Rachel, do you mind praying for us, whatever the spirit leads to you to pray for? All right, let's do it. Father God, I just want to say thank you so much for the opportunity to be here today and just share in this conversation with Edward for this opportunity to share your word, Lord. Um, I just ask that you use this to reach people, Lord, those that are hurting, those that may be broken, those that need your love, Lord, that as they listen to this, you will begin to just seep into those broken places, Lord, and heal them. Um, let them know that they are loved, Lord, that you went to the cross for them. And even if it was for only them on this earth, that they are still deserving of that great love and that grace that you have for them. And it's easily available and ready for them whenever they're ready. Lord, I just thank you that you, your grace and your love and your mercy is never ending. Lord, I thank you for this channel that Edward has, that it may continue to flourish, that it may continue to reach people and touch lives all for your glory and your kingdom, Lord, that you may use us for your service and grow your kingdom in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. So let me just pray for you real quick and we just end the, we're in the conversation. Uh, I pray God, I pray to God that he will give you the desires of your heart. I pray that whatever you put your mind to and your hand to, it will flourish in my name of Jesus Christ. I pray that God will continue to increase your influence and impact in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I pray that God will continue to be the lifter of your head in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I pray that God will continue to heal any um, any parts in your life in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I pray that restoration and refreshment will be yours in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I pray that he will continue to be, that he will go before you and come behind you. And I pray that goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your lives and you shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode 18 of Saturday Conversations. Rachel, where can people find you? Um, you can find me on Instagram at rachellease93. Um, you can find me on Facebook, Rachel Cantrell. Not on there much, but if you reach out on Instagram, I'd love to chat. So. I'll put Rachel's information in the description box below. So... Rachel, this has been fun. I don't. When's the last time I've seen you? It's like 2018, maybe. Probably. Yeah, maybe. we need to change. We need to change that very 19, soon. So maybe, maybe it was. 19. Maybe it was 19. Maybe it was for homecoming. I just want to say thank you, Rachel, for taking time out of your busy schedule. I'm grateful to call you sister. I'm glad um, everything you've accomplished, and I'm so excited for what God is going to do in your life. I'm glad what He's doing right now. And I'm so excited for what he's going to do. And I, I just decree in your life that the best is yet to come in your life in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you. Thanks no, for having me. No problem. Everyone join the conversation in the comment section below. Tell us what stood out to you from the conversation. Do not forget to subscribe and hit the notification bell. If you have any prayer requests, put in the comment section below. We love you. God bless you. And we'll see you next time.